How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Living Streams podcast. Today, I am joined by Pastor David Stockton. This is the first time we've been able to hunt him down and get him in the studio. So today's going to be fun, David. I'm really excited you're here. Yeah, should be fun. So I just learned right before we went on air that you've you've actually done this before. You've been a part of a radio program in, when was that? I just, I want the backstory because I'm yeah, super curious. I was... Uh part of a church in Southern Oregon called Applegate Christian Fellowship, and they had their own radio station. They had bought one called K-Apple. Love it. And uh, they were desperate for show airtime, so they let me and, and two other youth pastors have our own show. And So I don't really remember what we did. It was not real well planned out, and it was probably not well received either, but we had a lot of fun talking to people, prank calling people. So. I love it. Yeah, I think we should invest in that. We should yeah. start about. We should think about maybe doing a radio program of our own. You That'd know, be good. Something a little yeah. weird, but today I would love to talk to you about um, kind of what the Lord's been doing in Living Streams for the last year or so. Kind of get a little year in review, yeah. um, and then I would love to kind of segue out of that into more of the other hours. I know you kind of coined that phrase earlier on in the year that the Lord doesn't want to make us good at church. He wants to make, mm-hmm. it good at, make us good at life. And so I would love to talk about kind of what you're experiencing in your own life, um, what God's doing in you in the 167 hours that you spend outside of church, yeah. although you do spend a little bit more time than most people in church, considering that you're the senior pastor <laughs> of this organization. Yeah. So... But yeah, so just sort of tell me a little bit about this year, kind of what the the journey's been from other hours now to church around the table and then beyond. Yeah, basically, as we prayed and prepared for 2019, um, the the big theme was family. I mean, family strong was kind of an idea that came to the surface of all of our ideas, and as we prayed into it and and kind of thought into it, and 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 just really tried to create along those lines that was that was the premise and so we broke up you know that that phrase family strong um first into trying to identify what family meant and we really ended up liking the word household a lot better Mm -hmm. um just because not everybody has a family in the sense of multiple people living in their house some people are single some people live, live with roommates and so we really felt like household was was a good word to to include everybody and mm-hmm. the, the the place where they call home the place where they interact with people the most and and for a lot of people family does fit but um we spent the first half of our year really focusing on the the actual nuclear family that people have mm-hmm. so the family of origin that they came from um, the the family that they currently have, whether they're married or have kids, um, their current family relationships with siblings and and parents if they're adults, and and just kind of really trying to get people to to think through those things. Um, mm-hmm. We did our Origins of Innocence series. Um, oh, yeah. um, that was that was part of the beginning of the year. Our fasting season was all about that same concept, generational type stuff, mm-hmm. and and so yeah, we did a lot of work there. It was. Um, it was very educational for me in preparing and, and actually going through it. We have some of the people on staff that, you know, that's been where they've spent a lot of their right. their time learning and growing, and it was fun to have their input. Um, but ov- overall, it was just a great um, a great season around that concept, and that's also where the other hours mm-hmm. reality came in because we knew for people 
Church is only one hour a week for a lot of people as far as the gathering in the name of the Lord, all of that. Um, hopefully there's some one-on-one time with the Lord right. and, and that going on besides there. But we did want to speak to the other hours. So, you know, family dynamics, um, work relationships, uh, work dynamics. Um, we talked about rest as yep. a part of that other hours. Um, and so we kind of just kind of filled up that first half of the year with those concepts. Um, but then the second half of the year, we've really focused on church as, mm-hmm. as family. So family strong in the sense of who are you in your relationships? Who are you in your family? Who are you outside of your church concept? Um, and really helping the Lord speak into those things, education, all of that. Um, and then this second half, we've really said, okay, now let's talk about the church as a family. Because legitimately, the Bible calls the church a family, mm-hmm. um, brothers and sisters in Christ. It's what God's been trying to do from the beginning. And then we have this reality that most of us, at least the people who are hearing our messages, actually go to a church mm-hmm. and interact with people in that thing, that regard. And we wanted that to be strong as well. So family strong on the nuclear thing. What kind of roadblocks, what kind of generational curses potentially are there? Um, what, what work have you just kind of put to the side and what work are you willing to bring to the forefront of your lives to develop? Make sure your household or your family is strong. Yeah. Um, and then as far as church goes, what's your history? What's your experiences? What kind of baggage do you have there? What's the concept for the church that God has and how far off are we at this point? Yeah. And uh, in hopes that our church family and people's vision of what the church can be becomes real strong. Totally. And, and valuable. So that's let's, our year. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk about that first section first. Um, the other hours, where did that kind of that phrase or that idea come from for you? Is that something that's kind of been stirring in you for, I'm, I'm sure, longer than just the last year? Yeah. Um, working at a church, there's a lot of confusion mm-hmm. as when, when are you, when are you working as a Christian and when are you just being a Christian? Right. Um, you know, sometimes like right now, my job is to do discipleship. My job is to create moments of encounter with the Lord for myself and others. My job is all those things. But then as soon as I stop working, like as a Christian, that's what I'm supposed to be doing as well. So uh-huh. the lines can get a little blurry sometimes. Um, and, and then as far as, you know, family dynamics, at what point am I doing something that, you know, is helping my family because it's my church job. And what point am I just doing it? Cause I'm the dad yeah, or I'm no, totally, I'm the husband. And, um, so there's, there's that reality, that ambiguity that can be there. Sometimes I'm always trying to draw those lines really mm-hmm. well. Um, and then, you know, reading the book by John Mark that we, that we put, um, out Garden there, city. Garden yeah. city to deal with work and rest and that divide. I, I, I think he actually was quoting somebody. Um, but, he talked about how pastors oftentimes spend so much time talking to their people and teaching their people um, how to be good at this one hour a week or mm-hmm. one hour a day. Yeah. Um, it, let's say you spend an hour a day with Jesus, which would be incredible. That's a mm-hmm. good chunk of time. Probably all could do that. Um, but there's so much more to life. And, and so that's where I started thinking we do need to talk to people about um, other related issues. And, uh, and I don't know, the other hours, I don't know, Stranger Things, maybe that was where <laughs> it came from, or um, I'm not sure what it is, but I say things a lot, and then Ryan Romeo, who's our creative arts director, he's like, ooh, bam, and he'll grab that and then create a whole 
you know brand or world uh-huh. around it but um he liked the sound of that and again i don't i don't know exactly why we called it but it, it does it makes it a lot of sense and it, yeah. it speaks volumes with just a, a couple words so. mm-hmm. and i think it does really speak to a pain point that people are experiencing in society that are christians you know like and and we've talked about this in the podcast for Gosh, we renamed the podcast the other hours because we liked it so much. But that idea of the sacred and secular divide, you know, and how the church has wrestled for centuries over this idea of like, oh my, you know, like, does what I'm doing matter? Is it important to the kingdom of God or is it just this little finite amount of time over here that I'm spending doing churchy things? And I think you did a really great job breaking that down and saying, no, that, that, divide that you see actually doesn't exist yeah. whole all of life is sacred because of the work yeah. of jesus embodying and that phrase god doesn't want to make you good at church mm-hmm. that's the last thing he's worried about yeah he wants to make you good at life i mean that was our big key driving phrase for all of that and trying to break that paradigm that god's only interested in these few sacred moments inside of cathedral mm-hmm. or something it's just not at all the God that the Bible talks about. Totally. He's wild and he's out there. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. What, what's it been like in, in your own life? I mean, preaching those sermons, that was a long series. And you addressed six different topics or something like that over the course of that yeah. period of time. Was there a particular topic that you struggled the most with um, in terms of in your own personal life, as well as maybe ones that were a little bit harder to relate to? Um, I know it's harkening back a couple of months, but... Yeah. As you think back on the other hours, what are your what are your thoughts about that? Well, definitely the one that I think stood out the most, and not necessarily for me, but the one that seemed to um, resonate with people the most was the concept of rest. Yeah, and and I I think I've just I'm the youngest of three boys, and so. I just watch them, and when they're when they do stupid things, I think mm, I'm probably not going to do that. So I've had the benefit of that, um, and then to some extent, watching other pastors, I've always kind of been the youngest in the room mm-hmm. for, for a while. I'm, now I'm not that way. Anymore. <laughs> I'm starting to get a little old, but um, but I've just watched pastors, and I remember being in a in a pastors group early on. I mean, I was probably like 19 years old, 20 years old. Oh no, sorry. This this wasn't that. I was seventeen when I first started pastoring, but that was just with kids. Yeah. But I, I it was it was when I was at Living Streams. I was probably twenty three or twenty four, and I was with a group of pastors, and they were going around the room, and every one of them was describing what's happened since their breakdown, hmm. and I just thought, no, <laughs> no thanks. And when it finally came to me, I was the last one. I said. Well, I'm just kind of, you know, buying time until my breakdown, it sounds like. And they all kind of laughed and moaned at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then Mark Buckley, who's the founding pastor of Living Streams, kind of been a, definitely a, a spiritual father for me. Um, and just watching how he himself had breakdown and he himself um, didn't learn the art and benefit of rest until after his breakdown. Yeah. And, and then he's been able to preach that pretty well, but trying to apply those uh, concepts preventively yeah. instead of uh, reaction um, based on, on breaking down. So it's, it's just been a big part of what I've tried to incorporate in my life and learn the lessons and, mm-hmm. and apply them before things get bad. Um, hope it's not because I'm lazy, but you never know. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so then when we were really bringing that to the forefront, especially in our society, I mean, living in Belize and Gail's Point in particular, which you've lived in as mm-hmm. well, I mean, I learned I learned what neutral felt like. And totally. I learned that my entire life I'd done fifth gear and I'd done fourth gear on vacation. 
And uh, there, all of a sudden, I was living in neutral, and uh, my soul experienced things that it had never experienced before, as far as rest. Uh-huh. So, um, so yeah, that that concept hit people in Phoenix, Arizona, in the fifth largest city or whatever it is nowadays. Yeah. And uh, and the phrase that I use for that a lot is. Um, Phoenix has a gravity that pulls us into superficial and artificial busyness where we can go through any season of our life from a year to five years to 10 years and realize we've only been existing. We haven't been doing any living. And that's what happens when you're revved up and and wound up um, and you don't have those moments of neutral Mm -hmm. that you don't really take good stock or assessment and uh, you don't even know if you're heading in the direction you even want to head. Yeah. So that hit people well along with that same book, Garden City. I think it was just a really strong concept that came out of kind of the history and heart of Living Streams, wanting to be a healthy local church. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then also in the midst of our society that you know basically says if you're busy, you're, you must be important, hmm. and really trying to deconstruct that and, and, and say, no, you're important if you're important, if you're doing important <laughs> things, not if you're doing a lot of things. So um, yeah, that, that, that stuck out to me and um, resonated with me even though that's been my mantra. <laughs> right. right. Well, I think, I think I, I'm not hundred percent sure if I'm quoting this right, but I think it was Einstein that said that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Right. And I think that I really love how you kind of picked up on that concept and like, all right, I'm not going to do that because I yeah. don't want to see that breakdown happen. Yeah. Have you modified the way that you're living your life even now post Gail's point in terms of rest as a result of just kind of refreshing your mind on those concepts? Um, I, I mean, I think the biggest modification for me, I don't know how much I've changed, but I I, I know that um, I value that rest, and I consider that being productive time. Hmm. Whereas before, you know, you feel guilty about it, or you're not sure if it's really that productive. Um, I heard a story about I don't know if it's like the the guy who founded. Um, Ford or GMC. Yeah. So, I mean, it was some big car company. Uh, they said that in his schedule, he would, he, he had every day, he had an hour of window time. Hmm. And what that meant is that was an hour every day where he would just stare out the window and kind of let his mind just churn over everything. Right. And it, but it was scheduled time because um, whatever happened in that process of the mental kind of churning and churning ended up causing him to, to sit with those ideas long enough to where whatever ones kind of came to the forefront were probably the priority and some things would subside. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I think, you know, being in Belize and just seeing what God did in my own family, my own heart, um, when I think of the Sabbath principles in the scripture, especially mm-hmm. in, in the reality of diminishing returns. Yeah. So if you work the same field seven years in a row versus giving it a time off, you have to work just as hard um, to to get less, which mm-hmm. scares the crap out of me. <laughs> or you have to work harder just to maintain what you already had because there's diminishing returns at what point. And so I think there's a principle in there, and, I mean, in, in the Ten Commandments, that, that God's trying to teach us that there's rhythms and there's efficiency um, realities. And, and so just trusting those and applying those and... I always feel like every time I do it, I'm getting away with it, like mm-hmm. I'm stealing something. But um, so far in the practice of my life, we 
we were real big on on sa- Saturday is our is my Sabbath, basically okay. sundown Friday to sundown Saturday because. Once the sun goes down on Saturday, I start to freak out because yeah. I know I got to preach in the morning. And now you got three um, services in the and, morning. Uh, <laughs> and so, I, and I'm trying to finish up crafting the message. And so, but if I give myself that time Friday evening to Saturday evening, then I really do feel free mm-hmm. to just um, not do things, you know, plug my phone in and, and not pay attention to it and try and really go play in my kids' world, which is so exhausting <sighs> and hard to do for a long time, but it, it really does reframe my brain. In a lot of ways, and then I mean, we've had this practice so far of every six years we quit our job and go to Belize for a year, mm-hmm. and uh, don't know how much more we'll get away with that. But um, <laughs> but what seems like a detrimental thing has actually worked in the exact opposite, right? Um, and it's been beneficial not just for us but our entire community. Yeah, and so yeah, rest. I love it. It's godly. Yep. <laughs> I think that was the standout topic, I think, for almost everybody. Yeah. And we didn't write a specific study guide or anything like that on rest. It kind of got lumped in with Garden City yeah. and the concept of occupation. But, I mean, still, to this day, I have people come up to me all the time to, saying, like, oh, yeah. that, that whole series was so good, and I'm just really being challenged in that area. Yeah. And even my wife and I, and I've said this in previous podcasts, but we've really that's changed our paradigm of the way that we view um, productivity and kind of shifting from like that. uh, I think John Mark Comer says like the Egyptian system of like continuing to work without, um, you know, continue to produce, 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 even if you don't have the resources to do so Um, and beginning to enter into rest, which results in fruitfulness. And that's been something that's really challenged me personally. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, but moving on from, from the other hours. So, we had a little brief period of time where we did some other stuff and um, then we launched into the season in the fall and I, I really appreciate that something you and the rest of the leadership at Living Streams do is really seek the Lord for what we might lack in terms mm-hmm. of um, our the way that we're doing church and the way that uh, God's heart is for his body to be in yeah. health. And I think the thing that you identified this year was um, experiencing church outside of church. Am yeah. I getting that right? Yeah. Um, and so we launched into this series this fall called Church Around the Table and launched life groups and all that kind of stuff too. And you said something on your final message a couple weeks ago that that series, Church Around the Table, was the most impactful series that you've done. Is that correct? Yeah. I'm, I don't know if I said that, but... Um, <laughs> But I I did emphasize how much work had been done in my own soul through mm-hmm. through this particularly um, this particular passage, and that wasn't even intended. I mean, our concept was church around a table, and so we did want to really make sure people had a vision for the church that is supposed to happen outside of mm-hmm. church, being the Sunday morning one hour or whatever that people have, and uh, but really. You know, as we kind of unpacked what church was supposed to be, even though I've been at this game for 17 years, or 25 years since I was 17, um, just spending time around the Lord's Supper, because that was the church around Jesus' table, mm, you know, and, yeah. and his teachings of, of in those moments of giving body and blood. Here, I'm giving my body and my blood for you in the sense of now I want you to go and give your body and your blood mm. to others, and this is really what is the church. And then, you know, as Jesus and and John's perspective was, he didn't talk about the body and blood, but he talked about washing of the feet. Yeah. And as as I'm serving you and cleansing you and washing you in this way, I want you to go into this world and clean the dirty people. Hmm. Um, 
I just, I don't know, once again, it just hit me, hit me deep, you know? Yeah. Um, the compassion of the Lord, um, Tattoos on the Heart, that book, I know, yeah. you, I know you've read it, but um, that, that boundless compassion and, uh, and just being inspired by the love of Christ once again, that he was willing to give body and blood, not just on the cross, even though that mm-hmm. was the, the, the end all be all ultimate sacrifice. He had been giving body and blood from the, from the time he came. He's been giving body and blood since the beginning of creation and time. And, uh, and that he really does want me to give that. And, you know, and my wife, my wife is awesome in a million ways. And she's, she's very willing to sacrifice for those who are overlooked or ignored. Mm-hmm. And so we've been in situations where we would be giving body and blood, especially, you know, in Belize and, right. and then, you know, having different people live with us in our own home. And, uh, and we're in a particular situation where right now we feel like, you know, a lot of body and blood is being taken from us. Yeah. Um, and, and, we, and, and we've been whiny and we've been um, upset and we've felt things that don't feel like Christ mm-hmm. would want us to feel. And, and so I think in the face of, of what we're experiencing right now, um, Jesus was just kind of softening and reorienting my heart and taking away some of those rough edges to just go, hey, it's, you know, you, you feel like body and blood is being taken from you mm-hmm. because you're doing something I've asked you to do. But what I want you to do is I want you to give body and blood because I've given to you. Yeah. And so trying to, to, to take it from, from, oh, look, look how much body and blood is being taken from us mm-hmm. to really being in a position where our hearts are saying, like we want to give body and blood yeah. and are willing to for however long it takes. And so I'm not saying it worked, but it, it Jesus really was, was trying to work on this old heart, you know, that mm-hmm. sometimes I, you know, I think, oh, I've learned those lessons. And it's, it wasn't that I was learning a new lesson. It was, I was learning the very first lesson, but I, yeah. I was learning it deeper in my soul than ever before. Yeah. What role have uh, having the boys living with you, how, how has that kind of shaped that whole uh, revelation that you've kind of been receiving yeah, well, this season? The, boy, the boys are, we have, we have two foster boys that have been with us over a year, and I have three daughters as well. Um, and yeah, and I mean, the, these boys who are living with us definitely have need that, you know, their family um, is not strong. And uh, it is interesting. I just dawned on me now that Family Strong, like the year that we're doing Family Strong, is the year that my wife and I got licensed and started fostering. It's kind mm-hmm. of interesting. The Lord, the Lord has a way of teaching us all yeah. the time. Um, it just dawned on me. It's funny, but um, but yeah, it's they have they have a lot of need, and um, no matter how much we give, it never seems to satisfy. It never mm-hmm. seems to create any gratitude. And it's not because they're bad kids or whatever. It's just they've got so much neglect and so much need and so much brokenness that um, our, the body and blood we give is just so, mm-hmm. it's like a little drop in the bucket. And ultimately what they need is they need they need Christ. And uh, it's been cool because you know I think they both have a relationship with Jesus to yeah, some extent. One of them was baptized, the older one. Yeah. And uh, and yet, it, you know, our prayer all along is that their family would 
get strong, that their mom would get strong. And uh, and it looks like some of that's happening. The DCS is changing some of the story about okay. about what they say about their mom. And there's a, there's a real good chance that they're going to be able to go home um, to a healthy mom and all that. So that, that's incredible and good. Right. But, uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's been a great teacher for us. Mm-hmm. These, these little boys have taught us so much. I believe it. Um, we were supposed to be teaching them, <laughs> but they taught us a lot more. Isn't that how it always goes? Yeah. yeah. D- David, something that I've always really respected about you is that you 100% practice what you preach. And I know that's kind of hard for you to, to hear sometimes, you know what I mean? But I think that this is all the stuff we've been talking about this for, for this last year is deeply rooted in what the Lord's doing in your own heart. Yeah. And I mean, we started off the year and we were talking about this idea of church around the table. And when I heard that phrase, I immediately was just like, okay, we're talking about community. We're talking about life groups, you know, experiencing church uh, outside of the normal context, which we definitely talked about. But when did this this kind of revelation about the body and blood and kind of rereading, you know, John 13 with this kind of new understanding of, okay, yeah, the church around the table that we're actually talking about is that place of, um, you know, on the night that Jesus was betrayed. When did that kind of um, come to you or what was the process I mean, there? Again, that was, we, we had our, we had our, our um, lessons all lined up for church around the table. I think mm-hmm. we had six weeks or, yep. or maybe eight weeks. And, uh, you know, we want to talk about the book of Acts and, and their concept of church around the table, daily breaking bread, house to house. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to talk about the power of that and how the Roman Empire was basically flipped upside down by the power of church around the table. Um, we wanted to um, talk about the Lord's Supper. And I mean, really, it was just kind of out of nowhere as I started studying into those concepts. Mm-hmm. And in particular, the Lord's, the Lord's, the Last Supper. Um, that moment of Jesus sitting around a table with his disciples and just trying to mine that and get deeper in there and sit there mm-hmm. in my mind and hear those words afresh and and what was Jesus trying to communicate? I mean, I don't know exactly how you know the depth and and power of what the Lord was showing me became so fresh, but it did, and it was just in my study time. Yeah, you know, I was I was I was thinking I was going to teach something I already knew, mm-hmm. um, but then as I studied it, it was like. The Lord was teaching me brand new. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I think probably the backdrop of, of our own life and our own home and our own table. And, mm-hmm. you know, most of the, you, you say, I practice what I pray. I mean, I married Brittany. And so she's, she definitely is, is my greatest teacher. And partially because of the way that she lives and learns and partially because of the stuff she pulls me into Mm -hmm. (laughs) which that was surprising for me to learn you know when when I first started getting to know you and Brittany more I always thought that you were the crazy one no I absolutely (laughs) you're tame in comparison because I always thought that you were kind of like the you know the more missional like community oriented guy and you totally are but like yeah definitely a lot of that's come from from Brittany's heart for the for the overlooked and the neglected everything cool we've done is is her fault (laughs) I, I get credit for it but it's it's her right so, I mean, that was one of the first things when, when we started hanging out a couple of years ago is for one of the first things I noticed is you did this thing on Sunday nights where you'd have family dinner and you'd have all these mm-hmm. people come around. And that was so bizarre to me because mm-hmm. I, I grew up in a pretty awesome family, honestly. Like my, as I look back now that I'm older and I'm like, man, my family did an amazing job, but it was pretty much, you looked at our table, it was you know, me, my parents, my sister, sometimes my grandpa, like it wasn't this huge community yep. experience. And what I experienced at your house that was so revolutionary to me was there was 
freaking like 20 foot table going on and there's all these people and dogs and kids and it's just chaos but there was something so beautiful about that that I'd never really experienced before how was that cultivated was that an intentional choice I know there's a lot of things that have happened in your life circumstantially that have resulted in you having this community around you but how Um, have you cultivated that yeah I mean I I would that would probably go to Brittany's mom Mm -hmm. um Gabrielle Moselle um the Moselle family as a whole has you know experienced their own challenges and and yet um Gabrielle has has been a mom who's followed the Lord and leaned into the Lord and said yes to the Lord and God has been a great father and husband to her in the in the in the gaps and I mean, she's the envy of a lot of grandparents now, um, living with in such close proximity to her grandkids, and mm-hmm. and the family dinner thing was just her attempt to try and keep her family, you know, together. And they all come, the four siblings, and uh, then they bring their families now. Yeah. But then, um, yeah. I, again, I'd I'd say Brittany, and I think my heart too is, you know, now that we have this this wealth of family, it's just really fun to invite somebody over. Mm-hmm because they're just going to get caught up in it all yeah. and and maybe be freaked out because there's all the animals and <laughs> all the people and all the kids. And the baby goat for but, a little while. But, but it is a, it's a breath of fresh air, I think, for people, again, who live in a city and, and what the city's trying to shape us and mold mm-hmm. us into. Um, you know, it, it can be soul-stripping and it can leave us a little cold and lonely if we're not careful. So right there in the middle of the city for there to be this, you know, basically kibbutz type yeah. situation is it's refreshing you know mm-hmm. and uh but I, but gabrielle's the one that makes sure it happens and i mean it's been going on for years yeah but uh but we just get to invite people into the wealth and strength totally which i love doing well i think it's just a beautiful picture of kind of what we're getting at this there's another book that we both have really enjoyed over this last year which is um Oh gosh, uh, gospel, comes, gospel with comes with house key uh, by Rosaria Butterfield. And mm. uh, as I was reading and I was flipping through those pages, I was just like, I was just envisioning your backyard and all those yeah. people gathered around. And that's really, I mean, for me personally, that's been the thing that's landed the hardest um, mm. out of all the messages this year. It's like I really look forward to that and figure out ways to cultivate that in yeah. that aren't. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't own a home yet. You know what I mean? And I don't really have a place where we can necessarily invite people in, but finding spaces where that can happen and, uh, that are outside of the normal context of an actual physical table. Mm -hmm. And I think you, you brought up the idea of like church around food stamps and church around like all these different stories that you brought up, um, that you've encountered the Lord in. How would you define that? that idea of church around a table, what kind of, I mean, you shared a couple experiences on Sunday morning, but do you have more insight into that? Um, I mean, yeah, church around the table is just, you know, making the moments. Um, I, I, I shared on, on the Sunday about this pastor who was talking about, um, he lives in New York City, and so he gets dropped off at Chick-fil-A, um, right next to Chick-fil-A, which because it's right by his office. So when he Ubers or gets a lift, he's like, mm-hmm. hey, can you take me to the Chick-fil-A on blah, blah, blah. And so the guy takes him there, and, and, and he said this one time, for whatever reason, um, he was with a guy who was driving him, and the, the guy who was driving him definitely looked like an immigrant um, from another part of the world. And and so he'd normally just kind of 
let things be and you know I don't know if he speaks English so whatever I'm on a, I'm in a hurry I'll do some text but this time for whatever reason he just decided that this guy was someone he wanted to talk to and so mm-hmm. he asked the guy have you ever had a chicken sandwich <laughs> from Chick-fil-A and the guy said no and he goes can I be the first to introduce you <laughs> to the Chick-fil-A original chicken sandwich and the, the guy said yes so then he he goes well hold on he said keep the meter running I'm gonna pay for it um, let me go get you Chick-fil-A and then we'll come back. So we went and got him, comes back and then just sat in the car with him as they both ate mm-hmm. a Chick-fil-A sandwich, talked to him, found out the guy was a doctor where he was from, but he couldn't get any paperwork. So that's why he's having to drive the cab. He's got three kids. The guy was like, well, I have three kids. Mm-hmm. And so it was like this moment of true church happened where um, these two people were loving on each other, were getting to know each other, were breaking through some barriers, were creating mm-hmm. um, moments of hospitality, and uh, and ultimately, you know, and, and, a, and a, a chance to say, you know, this is who I am. I love Jesus. You know, what do you think about Jesus? Whatever it might be, but just creating those moments, and they can happen anywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. And and obviously, it's nice to to have a family dinner concept that someone else cooks the food for and pays for it but but again that's where that line like that's not a part of my job that's not that whether i worked at you know insurance or i was a mechanic i mean this family dinner thing is still you know that's church yeah when we when we invite people in and we're trying to to break down those walls between us and them and Mm -hmm. and uh so it's it's a it's a nice thing to have but it can happen anywhere anytime well, that's what I loved about that that phrase, radically ordinary hospitality, yep. Yep. because it makes it so much more accessible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that a lot of the time we think of ministry as being something like, oh, that's, you know, yeah. pastors, you do that, you know, it's, but kind of demystifying yeah. what that looks like and just being like, okay, it's just literally about kind of doing the things you're already doing, but intentionally showing up yeah. in those moments and allowing people to encounter um, the Holy Spirit in you and cultivating long-term relationships and kind of pressing into just the ordinary nature of it. And I think in a society like ours that puts so much emphasis on the glamour and the fame of you know the guy on the stage or whoever it is, yeah. that's kind of, I really do believe the Lord is doing something really incredible in the ordinary ways, you know, and bringing genuine revival and transformation to to entire cities through yeah. radically ordinary means. Yeah, in the Greek, the word philosophy, I I don't I don't know exactly, but I, I'm, it's a little fuzzy. But I I know what it means. It means the love of stranger, and it's mm-hmm. either like xenophileo yeah. versus xenophobia. Xenophobia, mm-hmm. I think, is the fear of stranger. Yep. And xenophileo is the love of stranger. Philo xeno, I don't whatever know whatever it is. <laughs> but um, but that I mean, hospitality in that sense. Well, all of a sudden, that's a powerful, powerful word mm-hmm. that doesn't just mean southern kind of kindness and all of that and getting your house clean before somebody comes, but it's love of the stranger. Yeah. And so that's what we've been, you know, that's what the churches should be the best at. That should, we should, everyone should look to us um, because we have so many testimonies and stories and examples of that and people can feel that all around. So that's, that's the idea, you know, is just trying to figure out in moments how we can love the stranger, the orphan, the widow, um, those who overlooked or ignored is a, is a moment of church, true church. I love that. Yeah. 
I mean, we talked a lot about this last year and kind of, you know, this family strong concept. Um, I know we're in November now and we're talking about 2020 um, and beyond. What do you, what's, what's on the horizon? I know you're yeah. always, always dreaming about new things. <laughs> and so I'd love to get a little sneak preview into uh, the coming yeah. months and maybe even years ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, 2020 is like the perfect year to talk about vision, right? Of 2020. course. Uh-huh. You have to. I feel like um, it's a missed opportunity otherwise. But, but we're, uh, we're the, the, the words that are bouncing around in, in our leadership and is a spiritual formation. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, Christian word for that is discipleship. Yeah. Um, but uh, a word that's a little bit more accessible to everybody is the idea of spiritual formation. And... Uh, that's what we're looking at is, is trying to create like a little roadmap mm-hmm. for that um, for people in their own walks to kind of measure against and say, where am I at in my spiritual formation? Whether I'm, I'm, I'm kind of at a, I haven't even started stage to where, you know, I've been, I've been, you know, at this spiritual formation game for a while, but I don't see like I'm making any progress at all. Kind of how do we assess that? How do we you know, stimulate and, and catalyze maybe some progress or, or, you know, I know I'm not what I was, mm-hmm. but I know I'm not quite what I should be. It's almost like I have gained some, but I, I don't, I, I know there's more to gain trying to help people figure that out and then, and get some inspiration and some vision for what's next. So, I mean, we've created some words and terminology and we've borrowed from other people's mm-hmm. roadmaps and books. And, um, so it's, it's taken some shape. Um, but, yeah, th- that's what we're probably going to be focusing on next year, and then trying to organize our staff and our and our our calendar in a way that that we're doing a good job of making sure people are are be- being aware of where they are spiritually. Mm, you know, yeah. you got your body, you've got your soul, mind, and emotions, and then your spirit is the part that God breathed into humanity. Your spirit's the true you. Your spirit's the one that's expressed by your will. Your spirit is the one that lives on after you die. So it's a pretty important reality. Yeah. And uh, I think in our society, we're going to have to spend a lot of time just teaching on the reality of the spirit because I think people, they're familiar with their body. You know, mm-hmm. they're familiar with their mind and emotions, but maybe they haven't given much time and attention to their spirit. Yeah. Um, but the way the Bible teaches is the spirit is primary. So your spirit actually affects your body and your mind and emotions. So yeah, if you're absolutely. out of whack and all those things, it might be a spiritual problem more so than anything else. Mm. So there's going to be have to do some work there. And then once you're attuned and aware that you have a spirit, then there's an assessment of, you know, where you at and, mm-hmm. and your spirit only comes alive um, when it encounters the spirit of Christ. And, and so there are people who are spiritually dead. And that's a pretty intense thing because spiritually dead people, once they die, remain spiritually dead. And another word for that is hell, um, separation from God. Um, but then once you become alive in Christ, then there's a whole process of sanctification. Right. There's a fuller ideology of soteriology, the salvation process. It's not just a moment. It's not just a prayer but that there's a lot more depth to it. Um, and so, yeah, we, we got our words, you know, uh-huh. Awake, awakening, purgation, illumination, and uh, union. Yep. Saved, set free, spirit-filled, and serving. Or um, I just heard some Ws. It was uh, waking, wrestling, um, some, working was the last one. I think it was waking, wrestling, waiting, and then working. Hmm. 
So I don't know. It's fun to kind of put some things, some totally. words to it, and try and package it into some phrases that are easily to, easy to access. But but yeah, we our fasting season will kick us off in that direction. Um, and then I really want to teach the book of Hebrews because there's okay. a, a lot of a lot of um, the Hebrews was written to Jews who had come to Christ and begun to form, but they were starting to revert back to some religiosity. Yeah. And so helping people assess that and realize that Hebrews is, you know, really rough at times, really encouraging at times. Mm-hmm. Talking about leaving the elementary um, p- parts of the gospel and moving on to more solid, meaningful things. Um, and then I also think about the book of John is just, uh, you know, the gospels were written, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, very practical, very this is who Jesus is. And then John wrote towards the end of his life, you know, maybe 30 years after the other gospels were written and kind of brought in this whole spiritual realization, seeing Christ, not just as a physical man, but as the deity expressed. Yeah, right. And so I just think there's a lot of good spiritual formation stuff in, in the book of John too. That's so. awesome. Well, I appreciate the little uh, sneak peek into yeah. what's going to happen in Living Streams next, next year's year. Next year's going to be good. We're going to come out of next year, and there's going to be some mighty men and women walking around mm-hmm. town. I love that. For sure. That's awesome. Well, beyond that, I mean, we're, we're, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, the one hour of church we're going to have per week. What, what do you hope to see in the next year in the other hours that people in our own congregation are experiencing as well as yep. your own family? What do you, what do you want to see happen in 2020 in those other hours of life? Um, well, along that same paradigm of, of awakening, purgation, illumination, and union, there's this stage before awakening. And mm. as we assessed our church, this is on the church side of things, um, we feel like we're pretty strong at the like illumination stage, mm-hmm. kind of helping people who, are, who have already gone through some awakening um, and maybe are in the purgation stage. It's a great time to come to Living Streams because we're like all about those things. <laughs> yeah, and, and we'll get you. We'll get you from purgation to illumination. And um, I don't know if I don't know if we understand union that well. Um, I'm hoping to really do some teaching and even myself kind of learn what that's all about. Uh-huh. Um, abiding, remaining, um, kind of that aligning of our hearts where you know it's hard to tell if this is God's idea or my idea. Mm-hmm. Whereas before it used to be really easy to tell, I know what my idea is. And the opposite was basically God's idea when I first came to Christ. But then that kind of mingling of, of hearts is a big deal. But then when I look at the before awakening stage or even at the awakening stage, I, I just don't think we do a lot or we pay attention to that very much as a church organization mm-hmm. and and maybe not even as a as the church organism, the people, and just really wanting to um, remind people that evangelism yeah. is a is a really important part of God's heart. Um, and then multiplication. So if you're a Christian, um, you 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 multiplication is what Christ like. If you're going to follow me, well, that was the last thing he said. He said, "I want you disciples. Don't miss this." go and make disciples. Mm-hmm. So yep. the, the gospel of Jesus Christ includes you being someone who multiplies. And so I think if we really can emphasize that, doing not leaving the 99, go after the one, God's heart and all of that. My hope is that next year, um, every person in our church will really begin to um, develop their own philosophy and own practices of evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, 
not so they can feel better about themselves, not so we can grow the church in numbers, but just because that's the heartbeat of God, that's the heartbeat of Christ, is so missional, is so wanting to leave the 99 to go after the one. Um, and then even our life groups, my dream for life groups is I can't wait till we really get to hear stories about how the life groups are not just filling up with people who already go to church, but they're yeah. starting to get filled with some people who don't have mm-hmm. any kind of church community or affiliation right. and uh, really be able to stick it to all those statistics that the church is dying, the church is you know separating from the norms of society, millennials and whoever comes after that disease gen z um, are are not interested not connecting not finding there's any place for them at the church and it's like no man we got story after story after story um i don't know how risky we can get in here but we can i mean i i dream of of hearing stories about you know people who in the lgbt community being a Mm -hmm. part of our life groups and and getting loved on and cared for and 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 you know, submitting themselves to truth and love and, and seeing what that process undoes yeah, or, or creates in their life. Um, you know, and, and all, all the different, you know, groups, mental, mental illness is such a heavy thing. And I'd love it if we had some space in our life groups for people who are in that vein and, and we can figure out how to walk alongside mm-hmm. them and, and their families in that regard. And, you know, on and on and on. There's just so many ills in our society. And I think yeah. if we can do life groups well, and if we can do our lives well, um, we'll, get, we'll get people cared for. Foster care is another deal. Like the age, kids who've aged out of foster care, we, you know, we're trying mm-hmm. to create spaces for them, and I'd love it if that was some life groups. And yeah, yeah on and on and on. There's there's no, there's so no much end going to what, on. What we can do, and yeah. uh, and yet there is an end into what God is asking of us. So we don't have to do more than we're supposed to. But right on. We definitely have to do our part. Yeah. What about you personally, David? What do you hope to see happen in your own life in the next, in 2020, the year of fresh vision? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not moving to Belize in 2020. That's right. You've got a few more years. Um, Do some math here. Well, I'm very thankful for the job that I have, and I want to do a good job of that. I mean, the team here is so awesome, and I hope to... um, keep helping and serving here at Living Streams. Um, I learned so much this year. I'm, I'm into that. You know, I, I want to learn a bunch next year, even though sometimes you learn things like, oh, man, I should have already known that. But um, I love being a husband and a dad. Um, Brittany and I are 15 years last month. Congrats. And uh, I just want to keep, you know, working on communication and working mm. on loving each other bringing the best out of each other for my for my girls i just i'm so into what they're doing whether it's sports whether it's modeling um like bella um or just what they're learning in school and then trying to find teachable moments to say hey um what's jesus saying and help them with the illumination process and uh, that's been cool to have some little times with them where we'll lead a couple songs and hear hear what they are talking to Jesus about. It's always so interesting. Um, and then finishing whatever the process is with these foster boys and hopefully seeing some real good um, times of them going back home and then figuring out what it means to walk alongside them still. Yeah, absolutely. Even though they might not be in our home. Um, yeah. There's a lot Read on the horizon. books. Yeah. We'll definitely go back to Belize and help help the, our friends down there. Yeah. But... Yeah, 
maybe a little maybe a little road trip this summer that'd be great we love road trips and we got that giant van (laughs) gotta take advantage of that for sure advantage of that yes sir so before we wrap up um is there anything else that you'd like to share david anything that's on your heart the lord's kind of been stirring in you while you've got this chance we've got the microphones and the cameras and everything no i I mean i my imagine is is that most people that are listening to this are a part of living streams and i just want to say thank you um thank you for being a part of what the lord's doing thank you for all the encouragement um and thank you for the work that you're doing in your own spiritual formation. It's total joy to be here. I just preached at another church, and they're cool and all, but I'm like, Psh, whatever. Um, I really do love it here. I love this family. I love what our potential is. I love the gains that we've made. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's an honor. It's a joy to be a part of the staff. And I know people have to live with a little bit of my stink, you know, just all of my weaknesses. They show up throughout every part of the church now, which is kind of interesting. But um, people are still sticking around, and that's mm-hmm. that's fun. Um, but no, let's just keep going. Let's let's just keep pushing in and seeing seeing if we can, um, you know, gain all that the Lord has in mind for us because He's got a lot. I love that. That's so good. Well, David, I really appreciate you being here. I appreciate you carving some time out to yeah. make this happen. It's been a joy and an honor to have you on as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this has been great, man. We should we, do this more often. We should do this more often. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So good. Well, but but on a serious note, that that's a legitimate possibility. We could yeah. probably make make that happen Definitely. a couple more times. I'll have to interview you after your time in Ecuador. Ecuador. Yeah, that's right. So. Who knows, man, where this might all end up, but it's been fun. I've enjoyed the last 45 minutes or so. So anyways, thank you all so much for uh, watching this uh, podcast. Um, For those of you who are part of Living Streams, we just want to echo what David said. Thank you for being a part of this family. If you're not a part of Living Streams and you've somehow stumbled upon this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to our channel on YouTube so you continue to get updated with similar content. And make sure to hit up uh, livingstreams.org and livingstreams.online for content that is specifically designed for people like you. So once again, thank you. We'll see you next time.